Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to the uh, Wellspring podcast. Uh, I'm Scott, uh, serve here on staff along with Phil Marins and worship here. Tyler Davidson, a student pastor. James Gonzalez, associate pastor. And this morning or this afternoon, uh, we are continuing. I say this morning because it's going to come out on the morning, but we're doing it in the afternoon. Uh, we're going to um, continue our series, What Does the Bible Say About? And today, the topic is, what does the Bible say about retirement? Uh, if you were at church yesterday, we watched a video uh, about, uh, it was from John Piper back in 2000. He talked about retirement and how, uh, from, from God's Word, um, he, he was admonishing us or encouraging us, I guess, not to waste our lives and waste the last season of our life specifically um, doing what the, the, the world encourages us to do, which is to just enjoy the last few years of our life at the beach, not doing anything without any responsibility. It was a, it was a, a pretty challenging uh, uh, video that we watched. But uh, to go along with that, kind of weave those together, why would we discuss this? Why, why would we discuss what does the Bible say about retirement? Uh, why do you think that's an important thing for us to be talking about? I guess uh, just from, from your perspective, from what you've studied uh, from God's Word on this topic, Phil. Oh, it just it's a, seems to be a big theme in our life. It's uh, as far as America is concerned, people love to retire early and uh, like accumulate a bunch of wealth and then be able to do whatever they want to do in the rest of their life. And it, it's kind of like the American equated with the American dream, if I could just uh, put it that way. Yeah, Tyler. Yeah. I think. Uh, what Phil said is, is spot on with that. We're inundated with messages about retirement and about um, wealth and saving and and uh, a vision of what the good life is, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that vision of the good life is in your twilight years, being able to have um, the freedom to do the kinds of things that you want to be able to do, the things that you see yourself doing. And a lot of that comes from... Uh, from those things being financially viable for you. Yeah. And, and everything kind of gets funneled toward that. I mean, um, e- even going back as far as, as education, you know, uh, and, and how, we're, how we're raised and, and the, the messages that are sent to, to kids, you know, it, back in the day it was, well, I can't, I can't say back in the day, but um, <laughs> years ago before I was around, it was more of a question of if you were gonna go to college. Uh, now it's just a question of where. It's just assumed that everybody goes to college um, because it, it's the message is given that it, you have to go to college in order to get a, um, a, a good job that earns well and, and that's going to set you up for financial success in the future so that you can do the things that you want to do later on. If you just make the sacrifices now, you'll be able to have the freedom in the future. So those are the messages that we're inundated with. But also the Bible has a lot, uh, I think, actually to say on this topic. Uh, especially when we're thinking about what the Bible has to say about rest and Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot to say on that. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get, get to into that, that in yeah. just a second. Yeah. Would you add anything, James? Right. Culturally speaking, in the United States, retirement is very prevalent. It's actually not as prevalent in a lot of other countries. Retirement is, is not as big a deal in a lot of other countries. Uh, it's also true that we're living longer in the world. That is, in the United States, that's true relative to 50 years ago. So what do you do with this time and this uh, and this wealth? And the only thing I would add is 
the point of this podcast and really the point of what, what I think we do in our profession is to ask some of those questions, those hard questions about life. So what's, what's this life about? We talked about death a few episodes ago. Uh, and I, if you haven't listened to that one, I encourage you to go do that. Uh, but this is, this is maybe a very similar conversation. What are we living for? Mm-hmm. Are we living for that 10, 15, maybe 20 years after uh, we're done with our professional vocation? And is that what it's all about? Or is there a bigger picture here? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we talk about this particular topic. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think before we talk specifically about retirement, uh, I think we need to talk about work. Um, what does the Bible say about work? Very, very briefly, because I, I want it to, to lead towards retirement. Um, so not just in general, but some specific things about work that will kind of uh, funnel us or, or, or lead us towards what the Bible has to say about retirement. Um, Tyler, uh, I'll let you start on that. What does the Bible say about, about work? It says a lot about work. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most prominent places I think that the Bible talks about work would be the Proverbs. Uh, it talks about working hard or being slothful in, in the Proverbs a lot. But the text that comes to mind uh, for me, and let me kind of find the right verse here, um, but in in uh, Genesis chapter 2, um, the man was put into the garden in order to work it and to keep it. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. So you're saying that, that work is, is one of the things that we're, we were created for. Right. Work is not a result of the fall. It's a part of God's design for for us as, as human beings and as image bearers of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we can go back to Genesis one twenty seven. So God created man in his own image. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Well, it means that we, we, we have a responsibility to work and to do uh, different things, to, to cultivate. Um, uh, sometimes you'll hear this Genesis 2, Genesis 1 uh, being called like the cultural mandate that, that we're being tasked with um, a responsibility to, um, uh, to take on God's creativity in the world and, and, and to insert our own creativity um, into creation, to create culture, to, to work the ground, um, to, uh, to keep guard over, over the Garden of Eden. Uh, so there, there's a lot to say about work there that we could get into. But yeah. first and foremost, we just have to say that work is inherent to who we are yeah. as human beings. It's not a result of the fall. That's a great, great yeah. point. Work did not become toilsome until you Fast forward chapter to chapter three, uh-huh. you know, when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden and that they were commanded not to eat. And at that point, the curses came upon man uh, for, for women. We all know that the, mm-hmm. the, the curse was pain in childbirth mm-hmm. and uh, desire over the husband. And, and for men, it was that the ground would no longer uh, bear fruit easily, mm-hmm. you know, to paraphrase it, it, it. There'll be thorns and thistles and you will you will get from the ground by the sweat of your brow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it wasn't work that was bad to begin with, as Tyler pointed out. It was, uh, you know, the, the, the work, the results of our work, work will be toilsome because of the fall. Yeah. It uh, wasn't that way at the beginning. The two verses that I, I picked up to answer that question, John five seventeen, Jesus, but Jesus answered them, my father is working until now and I am working. Mm-hmm. If the Father and Jesus are working. It's work itself is not bad, mm-hmm. um, and this was just the context. There was Jesus re- responding to the Pharisees about 
healing on the Sabbath. And then in Colossians 3.23, Paul writes, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. You know, I've had that verse up in my office for about the last 10 years just to remind me that um, whatever I'm doing, do it for the glory of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So work in and of itself, just to reiterate with those verses what what Tyler said, work in and of itself is, is not bad. And to take it a step further, and this this is a little bit of conjecture, but I believe we will work in heaven, mm-hmm. um, and I don't think it'll be it'll be toilsome as it is here on earth. But I believe we will have blessing uh, in our work uh, in heaven. Yeah, Phil, you have yeah, there's a there's even a joy to work. I think that comes from the Father when He got done with creation and He stood back and said, "It is good." We have the same feeling when we finish a project that, that we're proud of and we stand back and they say, that was really fun to do that together, even as a team, you know, to do that together when you, when you accomplish a goal. And, and it, there's, there's a pleasure, I think, that, come, that the, comes from the Lord that, mm-hmm. about doing something. And also in terms of the kingdom, there's a lot of talk about stewardship and God entrusts us with things uh, of course, in the parables of Jesus, and I'm sure we'll get to what Jesus said about things, but um, was this idea that we are entrusted with a stewardship. And one of the words that's actually used in the scripture is for worship is service. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And if you look at uh, some of Jesus' comments about the priests, man, the priests worked a lot. In fact, they were supposed to wear a special kind of clothes. So they didn't sweat a lot. The, uh, the linen that they wore was to keep them from sweating in their work because it was very laborious work to do all those sacrifices and such. So anyway, there's a lot of things the scriptures say about work. Yeah. So kind of pivoting just a little bit, it, the, the Bible has a lot to say about work. That's a good thing. But what does the Bible have to say about retirement? Uh, finishing out your work where, where it is toilsome, where it is hard. Uh, what does the Bible have to say about retirement, James? I think most people who Google this topic and they type in Bible and retirement, some website's going to give them Numbers uh, 8.25. Mm-hmm. And I'll read that. Uh, and from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of service and serve no more. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. Thus shall you do to the Levite, Levites in assigning their duties. So this is uh, a command to the Levites, uh, and it, it is speaking to how they should be treated when they reach a certain age. A couple of so you know, one might say, well, there it is, fifty. I'm I'm taking a step back and I'm going to go uh, lounge on on the beach. And um, I think to do that would be to read the verse out of context. And we talk a lot about understanding how the verse was written when it was written in the, you know, written in the particular context um, of that era, of that time, of that culture. And uh, I think a couple of things you have to acknowledge is that in verse 26, it's not as though they're doing nothing. They minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting. And a, a greater con, so even, even if one says that, well, that's, that's, uh, representing retirement. It's not necessarily representing the, the American, uh, some Americans' idea of retirement, where it's like, I can be free to do nothing and no work um, and really whatever I want. Uh, they were still called to minister to their brothers. And I think the other context here is being a priest in the, Levit- you know, in the Levitical, Levitical um, 
sense was not easy, particularly in the desert. Having to move the tent of meeting in the tabernacle every time they got up and moved, that was their job, something for them to do. And and in that time, you know, the age of 50 would have been a time where that would have become much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, those are some of the comments I have about Numbers 8, 25. I'm curious what everyone else thinks. It's a tough one because it's... Uh, it's yeah, it's to the Levitical tribe. It's not to all of Israel. That's a good point. Um, and so it just, it, it reminds me some too of, of uh, uh, what Paul says to either uh, Timothy or Titus, you know, that um, that a basically a minister of the gospel is worth his wage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is worthy of double honor is what it means or what it says, which just means that um, we should just pay people who are in ministry, and the Levites were. I mean, they were they were fed through um, through the tithes of of the people of Israel, um, and and there was a special honor for for those people, and and they still have certain duties, right? That they don't do the same thing. But what did, what did it say there, James? That it that they do? Well, they minister to their brothers in the tent of meeting uh, by keeping guard, but they shall do no service. They shall uh, thus uh, shall you do the Levites in assigning their duties. Yeah. So they're refocused in a way, mm-hmm. right? And that, that would be the point that I would focus on in that, is a refocusing of their duties, of their of their point of service, and um, and what their aim is in life. And, and that's where I think in American culture, our sense of duty in retirement is is so lost and skewed in on ourselves and service servicing ourselves in the, in those years um, that it, it doesn't come anywhere close really to what I think this text is getting at if we're gonna apply this in more strict in a more strict sense to what's going on um, today so Phil yeah I was just thinking about you know the New Testament talks about um, this kind of shift, maybe we might call it a shift of seasons, where elders become overseers and, and the women, older women are supposed to teach the younger women how to love their husbands and, and purity and all kinds of things. There, there's a, there it does seem to be, I don't think it's just a cultural thing, but it, it's a design of God where elders begin, just like you would have an apprentice who would work alongside you, uh, you begin to entrust responsibility, more uh, de- detailed responsibility to others, and you begin to direct more in things because you become more of an overseer in, in helping the work of, not only the work of God, but it happens in industry all the time, yeah. where uh, experienced people tend to go more toward, toward a manage- management position where they oversee more things. They may not do the direct work of making the product, but they, they have the wisdom to walk through uh, larger issues. And, and so I think that's true in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. that uh, people that grow up in the faith become leaders and teachers, He's, especially in the passage that Titus was talking about, the worthy of double, double honor, he says, especially those who, who uh, are doing the, the teaching in the body, and they mm-hmm. become more instructors and trainers mm-hmm. for the work of ministry, like in Ephesians. Yeah. So, um, I think there are some principles in the in the Proverbs, especially that that uh, retirement. We kind of get the idea of retirement from saving, 
Proverbs 6, there's uh, Proverbs 13, there's there's things like that. And I want to talk about those uh, here in just a minute if we're, if we're able to, if we have time. But uh, James, you said it, it takes it out of context. Uh, if you just use that particular verse, and there was some support there from Tyler and from Phil, and I actually would would agree. Um, but do you do y'all do y'all think then, based on that, um, are you saying that retirement should not happen? That it's a that it's antithetical or opposed to what the scriptures teach? Because I think if if just based on some of the things that we are that kind of where, where we're directing with the the backdrop of the of the clip from yesterday in the sermon, um, are we saying that retirement is a bad idea, that it's opposed to the scriptures? I think it depends on how you define retirement. If, if what you mean is once I have enough money to uh, buy my house on the hill or to buy my own private island and go and just enjoy the things that I want and, and you know travel the world solely... Uh, and just do everything that I want to do because I finally have the money to do all of, all of those things and, and really nothing else, then I would say emphatically that that is not what the Bible teaches. And the verses that I would point to, First uh, Peter um, 4, verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And I think that applies throughout your entire life. Uh, the fact that we, and there are so many other verses along those lines, that we are given gifts and we are stewards of those gifts and, and we uh, should be using them for the furtherance of the kingdom. Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Jesus says, uh, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And again, I don't think that just applies up until the age of 65. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I think you actually have the most ability to lay up treasures in heaven, you know, when you're older and you've experienced life and you have these, you've sharpened these gifts and you have this wisdom and you have this experience to share with others and to minister to others, even if you're not in quote unquote full-time ministry. You know, we're all ministers in one way or another when, when we uh, have these gifts that God's given us. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's what you mean, I'd say, you know, I don't think that that's biblical. If you mean I've worked at, uh, you know, big box company incorporated for 35 years and I'm ready to move away from that because I can afford to, I would, I would affirm that because you can and you can use those gifts elsewhere. There are some churches, I mean, I did some research on this topic, and there are some churches and there's some literature out there that's worried about this, they call it the gray wave, because there's going to be a lot of retirees in the next 10 to 20 years, and there's worry about giving. I, I don't care about that at all as, a, as someone who's going to be in ministry, uh, hopefully for the rest of, of my working days. I'm not worried about the giving part, because the value of the knowledge, experience, and, and what God has done with with this generation that they can give to the church mm-hmm. is so much greater in my mind and I think uh, more valuable to me than, than than the monetary gifts, which God is going to provide for anyway, right? Mm-hmm. God's going to provide for for his, his children. Um, so, yes, if you can afford to leave the 9 to 5 uh, and you want to, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. 
But what you do with that time that you've been given, you're still accountable. We're all still accountable to the giver mm-hmm. to do with that time what he's called us to do. Yeah. I think, you know, the scripture that first came to my mind was when Jesus talked about, uh, told the parable of the man who did really, really well. And so he just made bigger barns and he said, I'm just going to take my ease. And yeah, that's in Luke 12. Me. Yes, yeah. Luke 12. And uh, it's very interesting that a lot of that passage really deals about the whole idea of wealth and and uh, how it all, uh, the r- proper use of wealth and and uh, I think part of the the warning there is to to see wealth as a tool for the kingdom of God. In fact, Paul t- talks about it later as, as speaking to the wealthy, he was speaking to the rich, and he says, don't be arrogant. But he, he seems to indicate to, to use the things that God has given you for the kingdom, not to lay up your, uh, for yourself something that you would need later to consume yourself, but to see it as a stewardship to lay it up for the kingdom so that you will have treasure in heaven, as Jesus called it, but also so that God's work can go forward. And I think, you know, in terms uh, I've lived long enough to see a lot of people go through this process where they will, they will work a great job for 30 years and then they will, they will quit that. And you see two different avenues some of them sort of go crazy after not having something to do. But other ones, I know one particular, especially that uh, he, he designed it, he wanted to do this all of his life so he could quit and how he works for free for a missions organization, doing something he really loves uh, to serve the kingdom in that way. And he doesn't have to be paid just because he's already uh, using his life that way. And I've known others who have accumulated a pretty good size that, Every time they turn around, they are looking for places to, to invest in the kingdom and, and to do good deeds. So I think that's the focus of riches, is they can become a big snare to us, as scriptures warn, but they also are a tool for the kingdom of God to, to advance. You know, speaking of uh, uh, investments in the kingdom and seeing the kingdom of God advance, I've got a great opportunity for people who are interested. Anyway, but I, I totally agree with uh, with the both of you um, on that. Depends on what we, what kind of idea of, of retirement we do have. Um, it doesn't mean that you that you have to stop working. That you right. have to leave your nine to five. Um, but for some people, they do have the opportunity to step away from that and to do other things. Um, the video that of John Piper in that sermon that Scott was referencing at the beginning of this. Um, he's talking about a, a couple of ladies in their in their what eighties, yeah, um, who who became missionaries, and who um, so, somewhat tragically died mm-hmm. um, at, while they were on their mission. Um, but they didn't give their lives for nothing. I mean, they were doing the greatest work that they that they probably ever done in their whole lives and being and being missionaries. It's all about retooling and repurposing um, uh, those years and in investing those years. And, and, and something greater. Uh, I was listening actually to another uh, clip of John Piper's his, uh, sermon at uh, Angola mm-hmm. in, in prison um, yeah. to, to a bunch of guys, um, uh, a lot of them on, on death row. The average sentence is 88 years, 90 plus percent of them die in prison. And he went and preached um, to these guys and just pleaded with them mm-hmm. to, to find their treasure in Jesus 
um, because most of them are going to die there. Yeah. And uh, and the next stop for them is either heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. And um, he doesn't. He didn't want for them Angola to be the last um, last chapter in their life. And for many people in the United States, retirement is just they view that as their last chapter. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, in that in that sermon, uh, he mentions this text. Um, it's, it comes from John 6, and the context is uh, Jesus had just walked on water, and then he, he feeds the 5,000, or uh, he had fed the 5,000, walked on water, and then talks about he, how he's the bread of life. And in verse 27, he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. I mean, what Jesus is talking about isn't um, that we continue to work for the food that we eat, which is really what all of our work is, but that we'd be working for something greater, mm-hmm. that we would have a greater vision for our lives. We'd have a greater vision for God's glory being manifested in this world through us. Um, that we would treasure Christ, that we would, um, through faith, um, live out the rest of our days, um, that we would, like, like I said just earlier, repurpose ourselves and retool ourselves um, to be used by God for something um, greater than, than who we are, um, to, be, um, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's kind of what all of us have been, been getting at. But yeah. Yeah. You know, the only thing I would add is, the idea of retirement for us, for the uh, the American dream, is is really an effort by marketers, in my opinion, to bring heaven to earth in the last season of life, in the twilight years. But as as followers of Christ, we're not moving towards twilight years. We're we're moving towards life abundantly, and so uh, using the last few years of our life here on earth. And, and remembering, okay, we're headed towards a, a greater reality. We're, we're headed towards towards noonday, really. Um, it changes our perspective when it comes to, to retirement. I, I just would back up and, and affirm everything that y'all have said. That uh, if, if you want to use the, the term retirement, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, but uh, it can't be just vegging out and, and taking it easy. Um, it's really repurposing those years. And, and the crazy thing is, I, when I was doing some research on this, um, people who take a biblical view of retirement to repurpose actually have a greater um, uh, life expectancy, mm-hmm. a greater joy. They, they're not depressed as much, you know, on as far as the averages go. Actually, it, depression increases in retirement years because people pursue this and then they find out it's not all that it was cracked up to be. Uh, and so I think there are God. God just in His wisdom is going. This is how I, I wired you anyway. Yeah. Uh, one of the the last things, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna let y'all uh, kind of give some final thoughts. Um, uh, there are missions organizations that that use those years, uh, and, and you don't have to just be a missionary. We keep coming back to that because it's those are the stories that we hear. But we're gonna talk about Nehemiah uh, on Sunday. He wasn't a missionary in the sense in the the definition that we that we use today, um, although he was on mission, and, and I think that's what we're talking about. 
Um, but there are mission organizations that allow you to partner with them in your in your your retirement quote unquote retirement years, and they help you. Um, uh, plug into places where you've been wired, backgrounds that you have, training that you've been given from from uh, different corporations, from governments, whatever whatever um, job you may have had, governments being state governments or federal governments, and they'll use your skills for the sake of the gospel around the world, and you can partner with them. So I think other organizations, churches, probably even larger churches that that have a greater uh, span as far as their their impact or footprint on on missions in their community and around the world go, are finding ways to uh, leverage the experience that that people have when they reach the the later years, retirement years of, of their life here here on earth. So, uh, Phil, uh, final final thoughts on this topic. What does the Bible say about retirement? What would you what would you kind of leave with people? Yeah, I was just thinking of a personal example of my mom and dad when they were advanced in age. Um, they were living on Social Security, which is kind of a retirement thing in our uh, day and age. But they got to where a lot of things just were not possible for them. But they could drive every noon to a place where they ate out and they talked with every waitress that came to their table. They prayed with them. They talked to them about their marriages and the Lord. I mean, they, they to the last day, even my mom, even in the rest home where she was, uh, played piano for the people who were there. She saw her mission and really gave her a reason to live on. Uh, she looked, every person that new person that came in the door, she made it her mission to make them feel welcome. And because she knew it was hard to be there the first time. So... There's something about a mission in your life that carries you through through those days. And I think about Paul when he says, I'm finishing the course. It was my job to take the, the message of the gospel to the Gentiles. And I've finished what God put me here to do. And, and that's a very important thing because when, when we walk through heaven doors, we, we hear that voice of, well done, good and faithful servant. That's, that's the goal, I think, of this life. And then we enter his rest in, uh, in heaven, which is, is an amazing thing, too. Yeah. Three quick things. Okay. Number one, if you are looking for a kingdom investment, give me a call. <laughs> Send me an email. Okay? You've got a great opportunity for you. Um, number two, if I can address um, those who are retired or those who are getting close to retirement. I'm 23 years old be 24 in August and I look around at uh, a lot of people my age people just younger than me um, student pastor I work a lot with students right now and for those of you who are close to retirement uh, retirement age or are retired um, we desperately need you we need your wisdom we need your guidance we need um, your love um, and I, I just can't tell you how how much of an impact and difference you could make in a 20-something's life or in a teenager's life. You don't have to be relevant. You don't have to know all the things that are going on in today's world to make a huge impact um, on them. Uh, they aren't even looking for that. That feels fake to them if you, if you try to come across as, uh, as, as hip and, and young and relevant and, and 
and, and up on, on things that are going on. They just want your authenticity. Um, they want your ear. Um, and, and so we desperately need you. And, and you have an incredible opportunity to make a huge impact um, on young people and even people who are um, a bit older than that too. Um, look for those opportunities. If you go here to Wellspring, look for those opportunities um, because they really are all around you. And finally, the, the third thing is this. I just want to issue a challenge um, to everyone that's listening to this. The, the New Testament talks so much about suffering and embracing suffering and what that does to us and to our character. Um, Paul says in, in uh, Philippians 3, uh, verses 7 to 11, he says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Living a life of comfort and plush and security and safety and lack of care and, and makes it incredibly difficult to live out the kind of life and vision for life that Paul has for us, that, that Christ has for us. That we would be the kind of people who would embrace suffering, that we would as, as James says, consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, so that we would become, um, uh, that we would be, that we would stand steadfast and become mature and complete, not lacking in anything. So how can we say, if we live out our lives, or our, you know, 20, 30 years, however much we get in retirement, in comfort and in, in, in plush and, and nice and clean and everything? Um, when, when we live rich, when we live wealthy, um, it's not the kind of life that I think the Bible calls us to. So if that is your vision for, for your life in the coming years, um, how do you reconcile um, what Philippians 3 has to say about what it means to truly know Christ by becoming like him in his death and knowing him in his suffering? Um, I don't think you can do it. Um, if you can, give me a call for that one too. Hmm. Yeah, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, you know, when I get to the age of 65, I will have worked 40, 50 years, and the idea of retooling is just overwhelming, let me tell you that there is a place for rest and uh, a, a Sabbath, and there may be a season for that for you. And there's, that's maybe a different topic uh, for a different podcast episode another day. Um, and I think there's wisdom in understanding when and where you need rest. But you know, let, don't let that rest be for the next 20 or 30 years. Uh, so explore that. I would also encourage, just like really for every episode we put on, don't, don't listen to just what we say and the verses that, that we bring forth. Go and, and explore this yourself. Go spend some time in Titus and in First and Second Timothy and, and let that affirm for you what uh, Tyler just said about we need you. Uh, we need particularly the older men and women 
to teach younger men and women uh, in the church. I just spent the weekend uh, with a a couple that are 20 years older than us, and all they had to do was invite us into their home, and then everything happens the way it's supposed to happen. I ask questions, uh, and it goes both ways, but I value so much the wisdom that was imparted to me this this past weekend by uh, an older uh, gentleman who all he had to do was invite me in and answer a few questions and mm-hmm. it's edified me greatly uh, so uh, it's a challenge it's a commission if you will from God's word itself to to be the type of, of teacher elder leader that uh, we read about in Titus and, and first and second Timothy and the church is here to help you in that too like you don't have to do that on your own that's why um, we have we have pastors and elders who are here to provide those resources to walk alongside you in that journey. You don't have to do do that alone. Retool right. on your own. Uh, yeah. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. Um, we want to walk with you in this. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today on the Wellspring Podcast, and we look forward to seeing you next week.